Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Red Handed early and ad-free. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Did you know we're eating and drinking roughly a credit card's worth of plastic every single week? Yep, that's disgusting. So Blue Land set out to do something about it. Eliminate the need for single-use plastics in the products we reach for the most by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and for the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. The idea is simple. They offer refillable cleaning products with a beautiful, cohesive design that looks great on your counter. Blue Land even has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash redhanded. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash redhanded for 15% off. One more time, that's blueland.com slash redhanded for 15% off now. You know we love Shopify. Shopify is like an all-knowing retail wizard that's always got your back. A retail wizard that can accept payments, manage inventory, and sell anything you can imagine, anywhere you can think of. Online, easy. In person, piece of cake. The best bit about the all-knowing retail wizard that is Shopify is that it knows exactly what's going on across your business. So no more guessing what's selling well online and what's doing better in person. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash redhanded, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash redhanded to take your retail business to the next level today. One more time, that's shopify.com slash redhanded. and welcome to a very special bonus episode of Red Handed, brought to you by the brand new original podcast series from Crowd Network, American Vigilante, which you can download and listen to now wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm a hunter. That's what I do. When you are hunting somebody who by all intents and purposes is a monster, do you have to become a monster? No, I just have to be able to think like a monster. I'm a monster hunter. Well, this is going to piss a lot of people off. You know, it really is. But, you know, I've never been a liar, and I ain't going to start now. Now, I don't give two fucking shits if you're a cop, or a guy like me, or anything. That kid now has no dad, that woman has no husband, that man was a United States Marine, and a good fucking man. That's bullshit, Sam. Our rules of engagement are pretty simple. If we have to pull a trigger on one person, they're all gonna go. It's that simple. We couldn't have any slip-ups. We didn't have time to sit there and zip-tie him and gift-wrap him. He had to make sure that that guard was never gonna be a problem again. So we get to the first room, and the woman was in there, and uh, she'd been hurt. And it was obvious that I had a gun in my hands. I said, follow me. Keep your mouth shut and do what I say. And all of a sudden, the door at the other end of the hallway flies open, and there is one of the biggest men I've ever seen in my life. And I'm like, holy shit. (laughs) And he's got a knife in his hand. And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, I mean, I'm peeking around the door, and I'm like, holy God. Jeez, I don't want to be in the hallway with this guy. He's a freaking monster. He was a freaking moose. So I stepped around. I had my gun out. 
And he kind of looked at me, and I said, I swear to God, I said, if you do anything other than what I told you to do, I said, I'm going to kill you right here. Do you ever know what happened to him? <laughs> no, ma'am. Has that ever crossed your mind since? I think more about the turd I flushed down the toilet this morning. You got kids? You got kids, right? Yeah. A couple girls? So, one of your girls is taken, Sam. God forbid that ever happens. And you just happen to know me, or know how to get hold of me now. What are you going to tell me, Sam? What are you going to tell me when I show up to tell you I can get your daughter back? You want me to make sure I don't hurt anybody? What are you going to tell me, Sam? about got tears in your eyes right now just thinking about that shit, don't you? Well, it's ugly. I can tell you this. There's no feeling in the world like putting a child back in the arms of its parents. What on earth goes through your head when the gun is being pointed at you? You want the truth? Of course. I'm going to kill you and eat your fucking heart. That's exactly what I think every time. No matter what happens to me in the next second, I'm going to kill you. So if I'm going to die, that son of a bitch is going to die too. Well, I for one got goosebumps and I feel a little bit uncomfortable now, but uh, we're excited to share this all with you. The man you just heard in his gravelly dulcet tones, his name is KC and he is an American vigilante based off grid somewhere in the US. And in this new podcast series, he tells his extraordinary life story. After serving his country in the US military and then returning home, KC experienced a horrifically violent assault that made him want to dedicate his life to protecting those who cannot protect themselves. This podcast series, American Vigilante, dives deep into the shocking real-life experiences of KC, as he and the group of violent men he leads, known as the Brotherhood of Vigilance, devote their lives to rescuing women and children who have been kidnapped, assaulted and attacked in the hopes of providing justice to families who didn't receive the support they needed from the American legal system. The stories that come to light in this podcast are brutal and shocking but they depict the truth behind violent crime in America today. And Casey himself is a fascinating character. He's a hugely complex, intelligent and contradictory man who could save your life, but the brutality that he's willing to dish out proves that he could just as easily end your life too. American Vigilante is a true crime podcast series, but it's so much more than that as well. It's a story about saving abducted children, stepping beyond the law, rescue missions, assassination attempts, and last gasp protection. It's all the stuff you hope never comes to you. Until it does. In this series, former BBC journalist Sam Walker spent months speaking to Casey and recording every violent and harrowing story he had to tell. Hannah and I have listened to all four episodes that are out so far, but you'll need to check them out to make up your own mind. Because black and white, this story is not. And in this very special bonus episode, we are delighted to be joined by the host of American Vigilante herself, Sam Walker. And we're extremely lucky to have Sam with us today. And she's also been extremely patient because we fucked it up already. But uh, she is still here and still smiling. 
So we're extremely grateful to be speaking to Sam, who has previously worked at BBC. He used to present on Five Live. Is that right, Sam? Is that my that is memory? Hooray! Old life, yeah. <laughs> Sam saying old life because Sam currently resides in Phoenix, Arizona. And Sam, how on earth did you end up there? Do you know what? Sometimes I still ask myself the exact same question, even after two and a half <laughs> years. I still, no word of a lie, look out the window and see a palm tree and a mountain and a cactus, as opposed to the cobbled streets of rain-soaked Manchester and think, has this actually happened or I'm in some crazy lucid dream? Uh, I mean... <laughs> I just wandered onto the set of Breaking Bad by accident. You know, oh, so many similarities. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I think, yeah, uh, why not? Why not? Life's too short, isn't it? And I got to the stage where I was super lucky in my career. I'd work like crazy. I'd, you know, presenter on Five Live was having a whale of a time and thought, how can I scrap all of that and start all over again (laughs) in a place where nobody knows me? Let's do that. So, um, yeah, we moved out here with um, our family in 2019. Wow. And is it, uh, is it true? I've heard tell, I've heard on the underwaves that there is a podcast, an award-winning podcast about your life transition. Is that true? Yes. Thank you so much. Sam Walker's Desert Diaries. Um, award-winning, as my mother says in the same breath every time <laughs> we mention it. But yeah, won a British Podcast Award in 2020. And it's just dead honest. And it's I like little audio postcards. There's one every week, but they're only up to sort of 10 minutes long. And it's really the weird, the wild, the wonderful... The sometimes frightening things that have happened since we've been here. I think we all, if we've visited the United States, think, oh, we know America. We've seen Friends. We've seen all that. We've seen Miami Vice. We know we've seen the A-Team. Oh, some similarities there uh, with what we're going to talk about. But, you know, we think we know the States. And then you move here and you think, huh, we really are two cultures separated by, you know, a common language. We think we even speak the same language. We don't. So um, it's been a real roller coaster, but that's kind of what we wanted. So yeah, Sam Walker's Desert Diaries. It, c- danger contains many scorpions. I wish it did not. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> so now we know a little bit about you, Sam. We've done our very best to introduce uh, the mysterious KC who we just heard, but you can probably do a slightly better job than us. So can you tell us who KC is and what it is exactly he actually does? Who is KC? I don't know. Uh, what does he really do? I don't know. Uh, that's really the best answer I can give you. Um, I mean, I've spent a lot of hours speaking to Casey. I did joke that I think in May I spoke to him more than I spoke to my own husband because the vocal booth I'm sitting in now, which, side note, has no air conditioning and I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, 45 degrees most oh, bless days. You. I'm yeah, so sorry. It's, it's a bit that's emotional. Commitment. I should be six stone, but sadly I'm not. The amount is very hot. But um, he is a man who is incredibly intelligent, even though he calls himself a dumb mountain boy <laughs> all the time. And I'm like, I'm not falling for that one. <laughs> He's incredibly intelligent. He's a phenomenal storyteller. He is someone who is passionate about justice or his version of justice. He loves the United States. He believes in the Constitution. He is married to the notion that we should all have this, you know, concept of freedom, which is so ingrained in the American way of life. He reveres women and children. He is passionate about his own family. He loves his own family. Am I scared of him? Yes, I am. Has he made me cry? Many times. Have I laid awake in bed at night 
thinking, trying to work through stories he's told me? Absolutely. I I still don't really know, but that's why I think this story is so powerful because my job is to ask all the questions. Your job is to decide what you believe. Throughout listening to the episodes of American Vigilante that we have listened to so far, you get a very clear sense of how obviously mysterious Casey is. But you being somebody who did spend months talking to him mm. in the development for this podcast series, are we right in thinking though, despite all of that, despite any trust that you did build up with him, that all of the calls, all of the recordings that we have for this show come from Zoom interviews? And that even during those Zoom interviews, are we right in thinking that he never showed you his face? So I don't know if I should tell you this, really. Um, oh, go on. He did. He did eventually <gasps> let me see him. Oh. He he let me see him. Um, he would not allow video to be recorded. Mm -hmm. So we had to come up with some technical ways so that we would record the audio. But he he did allow me to see him that took some time to build that trust he is a man who's lived outside the law for many many years that's why I don't know his name that's why so many of the stories he told me are very old in terms of they didn't happen last week you know <laughs> he's been incredibly clever I believe in tweaking details that perhaps wouldn't matter in the great scheme of things, that are little breadcrumbs that can throw you off the scent. I, as you've said, work for the BBC for a long, long time, and I'm used to doing my due diligence when it comes to a story. I work with the most amazing, amazing team of producers at Crowd. And believe me, we spent a long time tearing our hair out, asking those questions, doing as much research as possible. But as I said, Casey is a smart man. And if he doesn't want to be found, he's not going to be found. So how did you find him? How did you come across him in the first place to tell the story? Well, that was something that um, it's, it's one of those kind of long backstories that literally that go back years and years and years. Because as I said, Casey isn't somebody who trusts people immediately. So it's a kind of network of fine connections that have happened over a period of time that led somebody to contact me and bring me into Casey's world in in April this year but it's yeah it's it's a web <laughs> wow and when you first sort of zoom met him what were your first impressions and did they match up when you finally saw his face <sighs> i think with casey Everything is extra. So if you have a picture of him in your mind's eye, imagine it times 10. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it was. I had a vision of who this man may be. And uh, yeah, seeing him in the flesh, but not in the flesh because we haven't met, was pretty much times 10. Larger than life wow. is a cliche, but it's really true. <laughs> and... For those of you at home, you listen to the recordings of Casey, you listen to the podcast, but you might still find yourself struggling to picture Casey in your head. And this next clip might just help with that. 
I want to ask you to do something for me. Yes, ma'am. Look, I know you don't want to show your face on video, but will you move to the side of the camera and then will you show me your hand? I want to... Yeah, I can do that. I want to see your hand. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. That's... I don't even know how to describe that. Is that the size of a dinner plate? Yeah. Look at my hand. Yeah, you got pretty little hands. <laughs> I got like these scars and cuts and broken bones. You know the Disney movie, Moana? Amazing film. And I'm going to have to watch it. <laughs> you've got to watch it because I tell you what, she has to go and find this demigod. And he did something which he thought was great. And yet the people saw it as a huge error and a terrible sin. And so he's been banished. And when you just showed me your hand, Casey, and I've seen the outline and I've seen your wild curly hair, you kind of look like Maui. <laughs> and that's, that is my nickname for you, Maui. Well, I've been called Maui. I've been called Hagrid. I'd look that one up too. <laughs> I've been called... I've been called Shrek. Yeah, I've, I've been called a few different names. In my peak condition, you know, I pissed napalm, fucked nuclear waste, and ate Constantino wire. I was a fucking badass. And that's a line out of a Clint Eastwood movie, but it fucking fit. I weighed uh, 267 pounds. I could run a 40-yard dash in 4.7 seconds. I could run a mile in my boots on uneven terrain in 4 minutes and 59 seconds. I could run 3 miles in 16 minutes and 42 seconds. I could do 148 push-ups, and that's with somebody laying in front of me with their hand underneath me in 2 minutes. So if that was then, what sort of shape would you say you're in now? So I'm nowhere near as, as fast as I used to be. But let me tell you something. I've gotten a lot fucking meaner as I've gotten older. When you said larger than life, obviously that conjures this sort of like characterful image of a person, but he really is like just from his voice. Like I'm always fascinated by people who are able to sort of spin stories without repeating themselves. Uh -huh. And he just doesn't. He just, did it feel like he'd said it a hundred times before or was, did it feel very like spur at the moment as he was speaking to you? It felt like he'd considered details he was going to leave, leave in and leave out. But this flowed. He clearly, he's clearly not reading it. He's clearly not being measured. You know, he's not stuttering or stumbling or slurring over things. What I found extraordinary is the attention to detail. Mm -hmm. And for example, he can talk in one story where he say, you know, I walked into a cantina and then I saw him, you know, the man I'd been searching for for months. And he was wearing like one of those satchels slung across his shoulder. Well, you know, slung across his chest. You know, people who put them over like a kid going to school with a satchel, but it wasn't leather. It was like a canvas material. And there was kind of like frays all down the front where clearly he'd taken it on and off a bunch of times. And you think, why would you consider this level of detail? Why would you remember this level of detail? But having spoken to him about so many other subjects he does have this recall where he will talk about a movie he loved as a kid and he can almost 
almost repeat it scene by scene for you. Or he'll talk about a piece of legislation that might have affected some work he was doing. And he'll be able to say, well, statute number 74 in, uh, you know, in the, and he will, he will be able to reel it all off. He has this incredible recall that I think is what people are struggling with and go, well, how can he possibly remember all that from that long ago? And it's like, well, why would he have made up irrelevant details if, if he's doing that? You know, why, yeah, why would true. you do that if they're not true? And it feels like it fits with somebody who is living on the other side of the the law, so to right. speak. If you were living that kind of lifestyle for as long as Casey has been, I assume that one of the things you would become very good at or something that would allow you to live that life for so long is being able to notice things that other people wouldn't and being able to have that kind of attention to detail as thing as life is passing you by. So I don't find that particularly odd. I actually feel like it fits with mm. him as a person. Yeah, I would I would agree with you on that. And I think as you get to know him more through the series, because I asked a lot of questions, which I think surprised him. Because I asked a lot of questions about him, about his life, about aspects of his existence that were nothing to do with his work. And you can almost hear in his voice when I asked some of those questions where his mind is catching up and he's thinking oh oh I didn't know if you've been talking about this he you know like the blue touch paper when he's talking about a job he was on or some bad guy he was hunting down or the weapons that he used or how he modified a truck in order to be able to <laughs> I don't want to give too much away but fit bodies inside uh, and all the rest of it yet when you're asking him perhaps about aspects of his childhood you can almost hear the guard come down in his voice until he kind of slightly pulls himself together to think, hang on, I mustn't give too much away here. I mustn't give too much away. So, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's a character. <laughs> and in terms of journalism, it's such a labor intensive, but like I can tell from mm. the way you're speaking about it and also listen, listen to the episodes that we've listened to, like it is a real like passion project. But sort of logistically, how did it work? Like, we're not investigative journalists. We, mm. uh, we call ourselves bedroom DJs at Red Handed. Like, there's, uh, there's not, we don't do much in-depth interviewing of shady characters, especially not on Zoom. So logistically, like, how did that mm. work? Would he just, like, send you a notification being like, I've got an hour today? Or is he dropping in whenever? Or is it quite scheduled? We did, we did put a schedule together because as much as you're completely right, this was a passion project. I also, you know... I'm a mother of two children and have other jobs going on. And so it wasn't a case that I could just sit around waiting for Casey to call. So we did schedule wherever we could, but things change as they always do. And sometimes I'd have to hop on a bit early or hop on a bit late. And sometimes he would message me and say, have you got five minutes? Which I've come to understand means an hour. <laughs> um, he doesn't do five minutes. and. You know, sometimes he just wanted to talk Sure. as well. As time went on, sometimes I found he just wanted to connect and talk. You know, from a journalistic point of view, when it comes to doing your due diligence, you know, feedback I've got so far from people, you know, some people are, most people are enthralled. A lot of people are saying, ah, oh, it's clearly all made up. And I'm like, you don't know what's coming. And... <laughs> You know, do you really think we would 
talk to someone who we absolutely didn't have a crumb of belief about, you know, but also saying that it's a leap of faith. And I'm just taking you on the journey that I went on. This man was presented to me. I did as much background as I could realistically, and I spent a long time. But then sometimes you've got to take a leap of faith. You know, some of the greatest stories, you do not know how they are going to end before you start telling them. And that's what we had to do here. Because if we'd known the end, kind of what's the point of telling the story? But um, it's... uh, it's just coming on that journey with me. And again, my job is not to tell you what to think. My job is to let you know what I know and for you to make your own mind up. Absolutely. And, um, you know, we've covered some of the key themes that have already come up in um, American Vigilante, the the amount of secrecy, the mystery involved in this. And also, as we're going to get onto, the brutality of a lot of what happens. What did you tell your friends and family about who you were talking to over the months that you were researching and putting this um, podcast together? I mean, my, my husband sometimes saw my face when I came out of recordings and said, are you okay? Sometimes he heard me crying and said, are you okay? Because this was something that deeply affected me. And I think anyone who listens will be will be deeply affected. I know that quite often we'd record earlier in the morning here in the US. So I don't know where he is. He's in the US. I don't know where he is. And as you know, the US is a big place in this time zones. So here in Phoenix, um, we're currently aligned with LA in the Pacific time. We're currently... Sometimes we're with mounted time. It's complicated. I won't go there. My calendar's a nightmare though. But, (laughs) you know, I don't know where he is. I don't know if he's East Coast, West Coast, North Side. I don't know. But generally we kind of record in the morning and I think that's okay. Because as I said to you, you know, I've got other jobs. I've got other stuff going on in my life. And I think, right, we'll be all done by 10 o'clock. That's great. And then I've got this to do, this to do, this to do. Take the kids to the doctor, walk the dogs, go to the supermarket, get all this done. And I'm not kidding you where sometimes it would get to, you know, I'd come out of the little booth of dreams at 10 o'clock and go, right, let's get my big to-do list together. I'll just, um, just let me have a think about what Casey's just told me. And I would look down and it was two o'clock in the afternoon and I'd done nothing apart from sit and ruminate and try and corroborate and, and try and piece together and follow some breadcrumbs that he's left. What did I tell other friends and family? Minimal amounts. That, because I didn't really know what to tell them. I didn't really know what to say. I know that I I had a kind of vague chat with my parents who, my dad was like, oh, be very careful what you're getting into here, you know, in typical dad mode. My mum I think I talked more to about some of the things that I found upsetting. I didn't mention it at all to my in-laws until a couple of weeks ago. It's hard, right? It's hard to say there's a thing and there's a person I'm talking to and I don't know who he is and I don't know if he's for real and he can be really upsetting and there's a whole world out there that none of us know about that I do believe is real, do you really want to know it's there? Because if so, come through this door with me. So it's, 
it's just kind of a a, a path you have to in, walk down, really, to understand what it's like to be in it. I don't know. Ask me in a year, girls. I mean, I, <laughs> as you can tell, my brain really is still processing so much of what's been said to me over the last six months or so. I mean, I think it's just uh, very clear from like the impassioned way you speak about it. This had a really profound effect on on you as a person. Mm. And I think that partially might be to do with uh, Casey being quite unpredictable. Uh, and as you alluded to earlier, like sometimes he'll chat, sometimes he mm. won't. There are some areas he absolutely will not let you go to. And I think the next clip we have sums that up pretty well. So you joined the military. We're not going to talk about the military, my dear. I don't want details. I know you don't want to tell me where you went or where you were stationed or which division you were in or anything. But what I, I really want to know from you is, how did you feel about yourself during this time? I, I don't know. I don't even know how to answer that. I was happy. Did you feel proud to be serving? No. Why'd you leave? Cut myself shaving. What's that mean? It means you got hurt. <laughs> okay, so the injuries you sustained while serving meant you had to leave. <laughs> We're not going to talk about this. <laughs> I'm just trying to get an idea whether it was that you'd served a certain amount of time and you were like, I'm done, I'm going to move on, or whether it was something... Yeah, we're not going to go into that. With a... That's my business. Okay. Wow. Okay. I mean, that is like a masterclass in assertive silence. We've done the odd interviews on this show. Like Hannah said, we're not investigative journalists, but we've certainly never had somebody tell us, no repeatedly to every question that we had put together and come up with so it seems like a very obvious question to ask is how difficult that was as a journalist but tell us a little bit Sam how difficult was that and also if I can do very bad questioning technique and chuck another question in there (laughs) a man that assertive and that bold in what he's going to talk about and what he's not going to talk about what happens when you disagree with Casey or his methods (sighs) Yeah, I'm getting the feeling in my gut just thinking about it that I get when he's not happy. Uh, It's not pretty. He's a man who, (laughs) as you've really clearly already ascertained, won't say anything he doesn't want to and feels very strongly and very passionately about what he doesn't his moral code and I've had to on several occasions because we have this very close relationship and yet it is a working relationship but it's also more than that because it's you know I'm asking him very deep and personal questions and he's sharing stories with me that I've never even imagined before I've had to say sometimes, I need you to be clear, because sometimes he said, oh, you said to me, la, 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 that you think that and you believe that. And I've said, hang on. I have never told you what I think. I have never told you what I believe. I have asked you a question. And if I say to you, do you believe X, Y, and Z? That doesn't mean I believe it. I'm asking you an objective question. I've had to make that really, really clear to him. Do not make this about me, Casey. 
This is about you and you are giving me your opinions and your beliefs. I haven't shared any of my beliefs or opinions with you when it comes to our conversations. I haven't said, I think it's disgusting what you're doing. I think it's terrible you're working out the side of the law. Or, nor have I said, I think it's incredible what you're doing. I think it's brilliant that you go and rescue these kidnapped children. I've asked questions about whether it's morally correct to do what he does. I've asked questions about whether he ever feels ashamed, whether he ever feels, you know, whether he doubts what he does and the methods that he uses. So I've asked these questions. So I think that's what I've had to be really, really clear with him sometimes when he's got angry with me because he has got angry with me. And believe you me, when Casey smashes his fist down on the desk in front of you, even though it's across the internet, even though we're on Zoom, you can almost feel your bones shake. So I think it's just being really clear to him that, hey, this beef isn't between you and me. I'm just asking the questions here. You know, that's that's what I've had to be clear about. You're so brave, like having to be so like, because I mean, you'd, you'd have to be completely convicted or someone like that is not going to take any shit from you. Like you must have had to really like lay down the law in some respects. I think I asked him up front, do I need to be afraid of you? Mm-hmm. And I mean, he he said, I think you probably will be a bit afraid of me as a as a kind of concept or you will probably be afraid to hear some of the things I have to tell you, but I'm never going to hurt you. And that's, again, talking about taking leaps of faith and leaps yes, of trust. I was going to say. I have to believe that. Honestly, has it crossed my mind? Holy shit. <laughs> am I going <laughs> to am I ever going to have to leave home or leave town or honestly yeah it's crossed my mind. I mean I can completely understand why because one one of the things that the series is absolutely jam-packed full is a uh, very graphic fight stories. Mm. And we've got a clip of one of those to play for you at home listeners into your ear holes. And this one is Casey he tracks down a bad guy who's called Lentz to a woodshed in Canada. Um, just, just one of those. Have a listen. I took my big coat off. I took my gloves off. I took off my night vision. And he came out and he got that load of wood with his arms. And right when he's walking out of the woodshed, I timed my kick as good as I could time it. And I did. I timed my kick perfectly. I was going to hit him in the side of the knee. He was going to go down. But Lent slipped on the ice. And when he slipped, my kick missed his knee and it hit him on the thigh. But because that's where all the strength is, he went down, the wood landed on top of him. He saw me and he knew immediately who I was. And the fight was on. He jumped at my legs and we were down rolling around the snow. It was knuckle and skull. He was hitting me, I was hitting him. We kind of hit a position where we both got to our feet. He cut my head pretty good. I mean, I was bleeding down my face and into my beard. I pounded him a little bit. And he pulled out this big long knife. And he goes, you're here to take me back, aren't you? And I looked at him and I smiled. I didn't say nothing. I reached around behind my back on my left side and I pulled out my asp. It's a retractable baton. So he came in at me with that knife pretty quick and all I did is I took that asp and I smacked him right on the side of the wrist and it busted his wrist. And as soon as I hit that wrist, his hand opened up, that knife dropped and I got around behind him and I started choking his ass out hard as I could. So as we're fighting, you know, he actually 
got weaseled around and got away from me again and he was almost facing me and I got both my thumbs and I buried both my thumbs into his eye sockets and he screamed. It sounded like somebody was tearing his guts out. When he did that, I got around behind him again and I got that sleeper on him this time, wrapped my legs around his waist and I choked him until he couldn't even move. He was done. Wow. Um, we've covered some pretty horrific things on this show, but I think it'll always be the eyes. No eyes, no teeth. Can't do it. Hate it. That's the rule. Casey goes straight for the eyes, as you can hear in that clip. Continuously throughout uh, the series American Vigilante, you can hear the um, intense amount of detail that he goes into when he's talking about the brutality that he's carried out. And you do have to say, when you're listening to some of these stories, they sound quite far-fetched, some of them. Yeah. But if he's making it up, then you have to say that he has one hell of an imagination. Because Hannah and I are always very grateful that we don't actually have to use our imaginations very much. We tell, we tell just true crime stories. But Sam, when you were interviewing him, did you feel like you believed Casey and the things that he was saying? Or did you land rather on the side that maybe he's some sort of massive fantasist? Where, where do you sit? And have you gone on a journey with that from the beginning? Well, I'll start with the last question first. Yes, absolutely. I've been on a journey. As I said to you, when we, when I first said, okay, let's do this, let's have these conversations, but I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. And he said, okay. And I might not answer all of them. And I was like, well, okay, I understand that because there's a lot at stake here. Um, yeah, I've definitely been on a journey. What's really interesting is the differences in culture here. So feedback I've got from Americans, not all Americans, because it's a big place and there's <laughs> lots of different people here, you know, family in Connecticut, not the same as a family in Alabama. You know what I'm saying? Lots of different experiences going on. But there are certainly people who are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not even doubting for a moment that someone like him exists. Lots of people here know somebody who knows somebody especially if you're in an area, you know, perhaps in the southern states. Whereas in England, I think people definitely are replying and saying, come off it, come off it. Are you kidding me? And I think when I first spoke to KC, that was one of the first things I thought. But later on, we were talking about, and he said, well, you know, what did you first think when you first started to speak to me? And I said, what do you think I thought of you? And he said, oh, I think you thought you were a bit, you were scared of me. And I said, and he said, is that right? I said, well, yes, I am afraid of you. I said, but, you know, my first thing was, is this guy telling the truth? He was shocked. He was genuinely shocked. And I was seeing his face by this stage. And he was like, really? It, it kind of didn't occur to him that I wouldn't believe him. Wow. And that I found extraordinary. Now, it might be because he's the world's greatest storyteller and he's like, huh, how could she have seen through that so early on? Or is it just that he can't believe someone doesn't believe what he does because it's something he's done for 20 odd years? And that he completely believes is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. He completely believes is the right thing to do. Do you know what? You're right as well. And you, you, both, you both have alluded to this, that... Yes, maybe he's just a fantastic storyteller. It's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard to tell convincing stories. If I was to say to you now, right, tell me a great fight scene, go. You'd be like, um, 
Uh, so I walked in and I punched him in the nose. It would just sound utterly unconvincing if I did that. You know, yes, he was in the military, but you go and find me a veteran who can talk like that and talk through what? And he's come up with, what, 50 different scenarios? And I'll, I'll tell you as well that he will refer back. So maybe we talk about Lentz in an episode and what happened there and the story he told me there is extraordinary. But then a month and a half later, we might talk about something else and he'll go, well, that was a bit like with Lentz because there I had those night vision goggles on and what happened was I wore those, but what I'd done is I'd modified and, and he'll refer back. Now, if he's the world's biggest fantasist, what's his real story? What's his day job? Where has he found the time to create this entire other world? You know, this kind of Tolkien-esque level of, of um, detail of this other world. Maybe you believe that's what he has done. Isn't that kind of fascinating in itself? Yeah, that's would... tipped me over the edge, honestly, Sam. That, yeah. That's I'd never, I never <laughs> would have thought about it in that way, but now I'm never going to stop. Like, what would he be doing? Yeah, no, that's, that's what I was going to say is either way, whoever he is, it's a fascinating story mm. because either he is exactly who he says he is, uh, which is absolutely terrifying, or he isn't, in which case, I mean, someone get him a book deal. <laughs> yeah. One thing he certainly does do, apart from uh, be quite intimidating, is, uh, is hurt people. And obviously, Sam, he promised never to hurt you. But something we think about quite a lot on Red Handed is, is anyone capable of violence? Like, is anyone, if the right set of circumstances happen to them, or the wrong set of circumstances, I should say, are we all capable of being really violent? And we've got another clip coming up here where Casey makes some interesting claims about you, Sam. So let's have a listen to that. How do you feel about the concept of revenge? When I say the word revenge to you, what sparks up in you? Revenge can kill you, you know. Revenge can be a very bad thing. It, it, it eats you from the inside out. But with that being said, we're all human. And I know that if somebody was to hurt my family or my loved ones, that there wouldn't be anywhere they could hide. And when I caught them, they would die very slowly. Do you think that every human being has that ability to hurt somebody else, really hurt somebody else if they've been wronged? The thought of physically hurting somebody else, I can't imagine it. <laughs> you become a mother bear, Sam. I know enough about you already. There's some grizzly in you, woman, and I see it. Okay, Sam, so you mentioned earlier before we played this clip, about the other journey that you had been on with regards to wrestling over the ethics of what Casey does or says he does. If something really bad were to happen to you, like he says, and you felt that maybe the police weren't doing enough to help you, would you call Casey? I suppose the question is, is my answer different now? to the, how I would have answered five or six months ago. And it's something I've thought about a lot. And he asks me that question. He asked me that question the final time that we, we spoke for this podcast. And um, 
I'm going to, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you wait and hear how that conversation went because, uh, I'd say it was, it was significant. Okay. That is fair enough. We don't want to, we don't want to ruin the whole story here, but Hannah, I'll be interested to hear what you think. Okay. We know who Casey is. We know what he's capable of. We know that he is, uh, an American vigilante. Say you're there, something terrible happens, someone you love, something awful happens to them, they're kidnapped, whatever it might be. Would you go to Casey and would you feel morally and ethically okay with that? Does he do (laughs) (laughs) ex-boyfriends? Sam? Uh, I can refer you. Uh, That's all I'll say. (laughs) I've got an in. What about you, Saru? It's hard, isn't it? Because we often talk about vigilantes and we often talk about how it is not something that we would ever condone. It can spiral and these people are operating, like you said, Sam, their own code of ethics, their own moral compass that sits outside perhaps what the rest of us deem uh, acceptable. And I just feel like, how can that not end up spiraling into something dangerous? But then when you make it a personal argument, yeah, I would find it hard not to say that I would do anything it took to get either vengeance or get a loved one back. And if listeners at home, you want to find out what Sam's elusive answer is, we're going to finish on that bombshell. So thank you so much, Sam, for coming to join us and for your patience and your wonderful laugh. And everyone listening at home, you can go and check out American Vigilante, the podcast. As we are recording this, there are currently four episodes out right now. So you can binge those straight away wherever you listen to your podcasts and new episodes are dropping every single Monday. Hannah and I listened to all of the ones that are out so far, but we are still waiting on bated breath to get to the end of the podcast series. But we absolutely loved it as an original and fascinating podcast series to add to any true crime fans lineup. So go download it now and give it a listen. We are absolutely sure that after Red Handed, it will become (laughs) your new second favorite true crime podcast. So thank you so much, Sam. It's honestly been such a joy. And thank you also to Crowd Network for making this bonus episode possible. And we're going to leave you with a few words from the man at the heart of it all. Here he is, the man himself, Mr. Grizzly Voice, to see you out. I'm an American vigilante. I have a question for you. What would you do? if someone you cared about was abducted, taken from you, would you call me? Would you care about how I got them back? Would you care about what rules I had to break to bring your child back to you? I'm KC. Just asking you to think about it, that's all. What would you do? Download the podcast, American Vigilante, out now. Prime members, you can listen to Red Handed early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today, or you can listen ad-free on Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Hey you. Before you go, tell us a little bit about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. The wait is over. So far, you're not losing. The only thing you're losing is my patience. Quickly, I see that. Bing! 
The queen of the courtroom is back. I didn't do anything. You wouldn't know the truth if it came up and slapped you in the face. I see he's not intimidated by anything. I can fix that. New cases. She wanted to fight me. Leave her alone. Okay, so, um... Not, this is not a so. This is a period. Classic Judy. Did you sleep with her? Yes, Your Honor. You married his cousin. His brother. That's not him. Yes, ma'am. I would make a beeline for the door. The Emmy Award-winning series returns. How did I know that? I have a crystal ball in my head. It's an all-new season. It's streaming. You can say anything. <laughs> Judy Justice. Only on Freebie.